This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not meant for anyone younger than 13. Do not harass any of the names mentioned in this episode. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to John vs. Film, and are you ready for some rock? Connaissance? Eh? Rock Connaissance? Yeah, we're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog 2020. You know, it probably, you know, one of the most successful movies to come out in 2020 by default. Yeah, like this literally came out like February 2020 before the pandemic really kind of hit, you know, so. Yeah, I'm looking at Wiki right here. It was the sixth highest grossing film of 2020. Um, but yes, anyway, we're going to look at that. And then next week, we'll be talk- taking a look at Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, I'm recording this before I go see the second one. But by the time this one comes up, um, or this episode comes out, I've already I would have already seen Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So... Yeah, as kind of a rundown, Sonic the Hedgehog, it came out in 2020. It was directed by Jeff Fowler. Yeah, Jeff Fowler. I need to work on enunciating my words better. Um, And it was written by Pat Casey and Josh Miller. Alright, so here's the rundown of how I do things in podcasts. I talk about five things I like, then I talk about five things I dislike. You know, or slash criticisms. And then I end it all with uh, overall thoughts as kind of the ribbon or the cherry on top. Um, Anyway, so let's get into this. Well, first of all, if you have seen my Sonic OVA, or I I should say listen to my Sonic OVA episode, which chances are you haven't since that has zero views on everywhere. Um... I mentioned how I was disappointed that while it showed the Sega logo, it didn't have anything resembling Sega. Well, here we have the Sega, but it's like a cinematic, you know, you know, very cinematic Marvel studio kind of flare up of the Sega. It's very orchestrated. There's a chorus and all that. So, yes, already we're a step up from the OVA. Um, so there you go. That was my first like. The second thing I like was I really like Sonic in this movie. You know, pretty much everything about Sonic, uh, from his performance, his story, you know, he's a very lovable character and overall did a great job. And I really like the design that they have in the movie. Now... (laughs) I will get to the trailer design, you know, in a little bit, but um, I I just want to touch on the design specifically at first because I think the design is probably one of the best Sonic designs, period. And even comparing to the games, now I know that's very blasphemous of me to say, but um, the thing is with this Sonic design is that he is very, 
you know, he still looks like Sonic. You know, they got the core elements of Sonic, but they allow um, Sonic to be more emotive, you know, with his eyes and stuff. Like, if you notice in the games, they kind of only... They don't do anything with the brows. They just kind of do stuff with the eyelids. And you can't really get much, you know, emotion from that or much emoting. But when it comes to the movies or that they're actually using now, it's like actually such an improvement on that because Sonic is, you know, very emotive. So, you know, and it also sells, you know, the two eyes. You know, see, that that's the funny thing. Sonic... <laughs> Sonic's design kind of is only like looks like he has one eye with two pupils. You know, that's like just design, but here they still keep, you know, the basics of the what makes the classic design work, but you know, adding their own, you know, stuff to it, you know, to really make it their own, but also at the same time, it's not too far away from, you know, the classic design and heck they still are able to do two eyes but still make it look like you know the classic sonic eyes you know and they got the proportions right and again the design is you know great job uh yeah and then going into the story so it's nothing new it's a kind of a fish out of water slash i'm alone in the world but i do like how it's uh He's pretty much grown up on Earth, but he's not able to make friends because he is a blue alien hedgehog. You know, people kind of freak out about that. So him feeling like a fish out of water because he's, again, a talking blue alien hedgehog. You know, but he's also, you know, alone. He has no social experience, so... Having, you know, these little quirks, you know, where, you know, he's very an energetic kid, you know, ex you know, exploring everything is not super confident. And so, you know, there's more to this character than just, gotta go fast, whoa, I got an attitude, you know. They, they add a lot to the Sonic character where, he, you know, you still keep, you know, kind of like that attitude flair where he's, you know, a bit cocky or... I am so sorry about that. The train really decided to come while I was recording. I can't block that out. So it's going to be in the episode. Thanks, train. And I'm not restarting. So yeah, that was a rude interruption from the train. Uh, so this is what it feels like to be heckled on stage. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. You know, just that Sonic still has, you know, kind of this cocky flair to it where he's, you know, still making jokes, you know, and he's still like, how you like me now? But again, there's still some of that doubt, you know, he doesn't, he's not super confident in himself. In fact, he admits that he needs help getting to San Francisco because he doesn't know where that is, you know. He, like, you know, there's more to Sonic than just, you know, him having a 90s attitude. Um, and the, another thing that sells Sonic is the performance done by 
Ben Schwartz. Um, I think he's done a fabulous job in voice acting throughout recent years with as like Leonardo in the Rise of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which sadly I haven't seen much of. Uh, but the, then he's doing the DuckTales reboot, which I've seen, I think, like all of the first season and some other episodes from other seasons. Yeah, I kind of accidentally fell out, but it was like, oh, wow, okay, the train is being extra annoying today. I'm not sure if you can hear this, but it's like very screechy. And uh, this is going to be, I am so sorry, but. I'm not editing this out. This is kind of the po- how my podcast goes. So, um, but yeah, Ben Schwartz, he does a really good job, and he does. He's a perfect fit for Sonic. I think this is, you know, one of those times where the casting actually, like casting, you know, a star actually benefits, you know, like the voice you know it's not just you know oh we need a big name star no they actually got okay this star actually works for this character you know so they again that was a good job of you know per you know just having solid casting you know ben schwartz delivery you know and he just captures sonic in general so yeah i just I right there alone, Sonic really sold you know sells that movie on his own. Um, but he's not the only one that sells the movie. We also have Jim Carrey as Doctor Robotnik. Yeah, so I'm gonna go into the, my third like now, and yeah, and again, this is a Jim Carrey is a really big you know name you know actor, and sure he had like. His name alone does sell tickets, I'm sure. But the thing with this performance is, again, it feels like it was actually good casting. Because Jim Carrey sells this mad scientist persona really well. I mean, again, there's some Jim Carrey mannerisms. But there is... I do feel like Jim Carrey did look at some of the, you know, stuff with Dr. Robotnik. You know, he... You know, he has, like, this sort of goofiness from Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, you know. But also has some, like, some menacing moments, you know, from Sonic Sad AM. I feel like Jim Carrey actually did some research on his performance of making this version of Dr. Robotnik. Now, the only criticism I have is that we didn't see him bald until the end credits sequence, which was just but other than that yeah Jim Carrey sold the performance um and I'm getting back to my notes you know so yeah like pretty much like if I had to envision Dr. Robotnik on the big screen Jim Carrey was that vision and I also love his like sidekick henchman Agent Stone the chemistry between Robotnik and his yes man agent stone is great i just love like so in the movie you have like sort of you know this buddy cop you know buddy duo thing with sonic and police officer tom um you know you have that but then you got the opposite which is robotnik and agent stone but i really love 
you know, Robotnik and Agent Stone's, you know, partnership or relationship or whatever you want to call it much more. It's just, it was so, so much more entertaining because the thing is, Robotnik was very abusive, but Agent Stone, like, took it like a champ. He was loyal as heck. Uh, one of the standout, you know, one of the funny scenes in the movie is that, you know, after they failed to get Sonic, you know, or whatnot, you know, Robotnik's obviously frustrated. And then Agent Stone's like, did we get him? Oh, no, we didn't get him. Man, they're, sh- they're sure fast. <laughs> and then Robotnik looks at him. And he's like, hey, Agent Stone, give me a moment. As they go back into Robotnik's, you know, truck. You know, Robotnik tells Agent Stone to pin himself to the wall. And that's what he does. Agent Stone literally puts his own hand on his chest and pushes himself onto the wall. (laughs) Then Robotnik berates him. It was funny stuff. I I really loved their chemistry and their relationship. You know, and also, you know, I mean, let's face it. Why do we like this relationship? It's because there, you know, Agent Stone thought that Robotnik might like a latte with steam Austrian goat milk. And what do what does he look like? An imbecile? Of course he wants a latte. He loves the way you make him. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I butch I was trying to parody that quote, but I failed. I failed miserably. Ah, uh, man. I wish I edited my podcast now. Fuck. It's going to have to stay in, I guess. Oh, well. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, uh, for my fourth point, uh, for what I like, you know, for my likes is the humor and action. I'm combining this as two, as I feel they're both kind of equally good. You know, it's not... Like, the humor is nothing special, but, you know, it's not, like, comedic genius levels or anything. Um, But even while I was watching it last night, and this was, like, not the second time, but maybe third or fourth time I've ever viewed this movie, you know. And I was getting, you know, still getting a couple of chuckles, especially with Jim Carrey's scenes, you know. So, the humor aspect, I think it was still there. Again, these weren't the funniest jokes I've ever heard, but again, it was just kind how it was just, you know, there was quite a bit of humor that I really enjoyed and got a chuckle out of me, even when viewing by myself. And I felt the action was good. Was good. Wow, dud. Dud. Yeah, that's a word now. Dud. <laughs> but anyway, uh good. Oh, uh, you know, it really kind of captures that high speed, you know, energy of the Sonic, you know, just very much, you know, it get it gets that speedster, you know, like quality to it. And yeah, um, of course, we have the Quicksilver moments, you know, where time slows down and, you know, everybody around him except for Sonic, you know, but. You know, that happens a couple times, but at the same time, we also got some just 
very fast and really, you know, solid, you know, action, in my opinion. And now I'm going to talk about the fifth thing I like, and that is that this movie shows it has a respect to, you know, for the source material and the Sonic fandom. Like, we got a couple of uh, Easter eggs, like, you know, so, you know, let, let me just stress, you know, there's kind of just saying, you know, this thing with like fan service, you know, where it can be done good or it can be done cynically, <laughs> I feel like. Um, I think an example, I know this is going to be one that would get me put on the stake, you know, really fast, but I think one. Like an example of fan service done cynically is Ghostbusters Afterlife, where they literally shove so much fan service down your face, you know, from the first movie. Like, you remember this? You remember this? Or, you know, even, you know, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, a less controversial take that I'm going to have. Um, but I've already lost the audience with that shit. You know, I'm fucked, but no, so. Anyways, with um, like Star Wars, you know, there was like these fans of it's like, oh, remember when they did this thing? You know, we bought the Palpatine back. Woo! We bought the Lando back. Woo! We're doing the thing. You know, we're doing the fan theories. Woo! You like this stuff, kids, right? Yeah, we're so fan servicey. But here, it's more like, you know. It's not being shoved in your face. And it's done, you know, very respectful. And it feels like there was, you know, passion behind it. Like seeing. So there's this, like, character in the town in the beginning, you know. Which, by the way, I love this guy. <laughs> you know, he's kind of the crazy Dave. Uh, what, what was his kid? Hang on. I gotta look him up. I gotta look him up real quick. Crazy Carl. Yeah, Crazy Carl. So. <laughs> Crazy Carl, he actually uh, is like the one who um, first notices Sonic, but because he's Crazy Carl, no one believes him. And he has a little drawing of, you know, Sonic, <laughs> that, that crappy, you know, Sonic, so, you know, Sonic Doodle. I, I shouldn't say crappy. What? See, that, that right there is blas blasphemous. I'm talking masterpiece of art Sanic you know it's spelled with S A N I C not S O N yeah just look up Sanic yeah that got referenced in the movie um there was also a little bit of green hill zone you know music playing at the end you know but it's kind of just a piano take of da 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 you know very mellow you know I like that. But I feel like even then the fan service, it goes a bit deeper than that, or just to respect like Sonic, you know, rescuing a turtle, you know, in the beginning from Game Run Over, that's very in line with the Son you know, Sonic as a character as Sonic does, you know, save woodland creatures. Um there's that. Uh, the fact that Sonic hates mushrooms, I feel like that's kind of like a dig to, you know, for, towards, you know, like, the whole rival, rival, rivalry, 
rivalry. I can't speak. Rivalry. There we go. Rivalry between Mario and Sonic. Because Mario is, you know, known for having getting power up with mushrooms. You know, Sonic being like, uh, mushrooms. I hate mushrooms. You know, or, like he doesn't want to go to a mushroom planet. It, it, it's kind of a cheeky little reference. You know, and I think, you know, and also the way that, like, Sonic beats, you know, Robotnik in his little, like, Robotnik has his, you know, flying aircraft ship, you know, ship that has, you know, that stole Sonic's speed. And the way Sonic takes it out is like how you would take it out in the game by, like, you know, going into a ball, jumping onto it. You know, it felt so reminiscent of that. And it felt like uh, the first Sonic the Hedgehog game of just trying to take it out. You know, and I, yeah, you know, I just felt like it wasn't shoved in your face, but it was like nice for the fans. Like, oh, that's really cool. You know, hey, good job. Um, so yeah, you know, there, there was actually, you know, those things, you know, I really liked it. I, they made this movie enjoyable. I'm spoiling my own self, but yeah, anyway, uh, I did talk about five things I dislike, you know, I like, but. I'm about to talk about five things I dislike slash criticisms. Now, for the first one, technically, this isn't the movie. But it is, in a way. Or at least, it was. It would have been a possible future of the movie. A possible timeline. I just want to say a quote from a iconic internet legend. And just ask, what were they thinking? I mean, yeah, the first dislike, it has to go to that god-awful design we saw in the trailer. I mean, literally, what were they thinking? And yeah, you could tell this had to be studio mandate, whatever, because no one with a creative eye or just, you know, any ounce of, you know, imagination or whatnot would think, oh yeah, that looks good. No, it looks horrifying. Like, it's not even the fact, like, yeah, we can go in the fact that it's like, it doesn't feel like Sonic at all. Or it doesn't capture, you know, Sonic's, you know, design from the games or whatever. He doesn't make that attempt. You know, we could do that. I mean, he looks like you know, a very CGI, ugly, even more disgusting version of Cat, like Mike Myers' Canada hat with this weird Sonic head with short eyes. You know, yeah, it's just, again, no creative in that team would have said, like, looked at me like, yeah, that looks, fr- yeah, that looks fucking amazing. Wow, that's the best design ever. Better than the games. Like, I just want to know, what, who was the executive that wanted that? You know, in fact, they knew, apparently they knew, you know, that was like the design was going to be controversial, but the audiences will come around to it. <laughs> well, they, they, the, the problem is they met the Sonic fandom <laughs> and the video game fandom and just, just people with common sense were like, oh, that that's ugly. 
you know, and, and here's the thing. You know, we shouldn't have been surprised, but to see because it's from Paramount, the ones that greenlit the ugly Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle live action designs. And the ones that greenlit the horrible Bayformers design. Like, who in Paramount is making these god-awful designs? Thankfully, they had the common sense to delay the movie and be like, Yeah, maybe, maybe we should change it. And yeah, it, changing it was ultimately for the best. And it's not even just, you know, again, oh, it's not faithful to the game source. It's just a very ugly looking design. And I don't think it's not even as emotive as the, the design we got in the movie. So uh, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, now, anyway, um, now we're going into some actual criticisms of the movie. Um, the first one is, so, as part of, you know, the respectfulness to the source material, we actually do get to see, you know, Green Hill Zone, like the actual zone with the loop-de-loops, you know, the checkerboards, you know, and the very game-like sunflowers that we see BB Sonic hold, you know, to Owl Mom. You know, we get to see that, but it's for a very short moment at the beginning. And I'm just like, man, I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more of that really creative, you know, wacky world, you know, with loop-de-loops and all that. Where was that? That was missing throughout most of the movie. In fact, I feel like that opening sequence was just a kind of a bit, you know, rushed, you know. You know, just because, you know, it's like... Baby Sonic's like, hey, look, this is the owl that way raised me. Oh, no, the, you know, the echidna race is trying to kidnap Sonic. And, oh, no, Mama Owl was left behind and is presumably dead, you know. Um, but it just felt very short, and it's kind of a shame. I wish we got to see that a bit longer or just more of it because it, it's better than what we got, honestly, which is just a Montana town called Green Hills, which, yeah, that does sound like a very U.S. town, Green Hills, but come on, you had the real Green Hill Zone, but you gave the name Green Hills to a Montana town. Come on, guys. Um, This next one I'm going to talk about is... A, the cop storyline, so, Tom, you know, James Marsden, he plays this cop named Tom, and he has this wife named Maddie, who's played by Tika Sumter. It, it's not so much that it's bad, you know, per se, but it's kind of just, it's, like, I didn't come to this movie to care about this cop wanting to be a cop from you know, move to the big city and become a big city cop. I don't really care about that storyline. That's just not the movie I wanted to go see, and it's pretty generic. I feel like I could have done without the entire storyline. It just, or just change it up so it's not like, oh, I'm a small city cop who doesn't fight enough crime. I want to be in the big city and make my, you know, make a name out of myself. You know, it's just, 
very generic. And again, it's just something I was like, I don't really care for this. You know, and I get, again, I do kind of get why they needed to, for the story of how it played out, they really needed to do that. You know, for the script, it makes sense. But again, it's just kind of a, I didn't really care for it. Um, This next one is, I guess, very subjective, but I thought the robots in Robotnik used in the movie were, I, I, I guess I didn't really care for them too much. Um, or it's not even that they're bad looking. Okay, you know, they have the drone egg, you know, they are egg shaped, you know, so you got that Eggman reference, you know, right there. But uh, my problem is that the drones, they are just. They look too similar within one each other. They still all have that, you know, similar, you know, like drone, like, you know, white, black with, you know, a little bit of red design, you know, and they feel very drone like, you know, again, which isn't necessarily inherently bad, but I'm just saying it compared to. What we got in the games where we got these very colorful robots that were based off of different animals. Those were cool. I, you know, it's just, it's kind of a shame that those were like the robots we saw in the games, you know, like Buzz Bomber, Neutron, Crab Meat, Chopper, Motobug. And again, I'm just looking at, uh, a picture on Google Google Images, so maybe that's not really their name, but I'm hoping it is. But again, we got these, you know, very colorful, you know, pretty, you know, cool looking designs. I wish we could have seen in the movie, but instead they kind of just have that samey drone like appearance, which I felt was kind of a shame. Um, and anyway, my last critique and this one i feel like is the biggest one and it does actually hurt the movie sadly is that so the rivalry between the protagonist and the antagonist it doesn't feel like there's a rivalry between sonic and robotnik even though sonic and robotnik have a little bit of banter it feels more like it's robotnik and tom the cop who has the rivalry, who has, you know, the antagonist nature. In fact, when Robotnik ambushes Sonic and Tom and uh, Maddie on the rooftop of that building, Robotnik doesn't say, oh, hello, Sonic. No, he says, hello, Mr. Wachowski. You know, he's talking to Wachowski most of the time. You know, that's where most of the banter was coming from, you know, in that aspect, it, it was mostly between Tom and Robotnik, and it made it feel like Sonic was the third reel of the conflict. And that's a problem when this is supposed to be, when Sonic is supposed to be the main protagonist, and Robotnik is the main antagonist from the games, there should be this rivalry between Sonic and Robotnik, but ultimately, because we don't get enough of, you know, 
of Sonic and Robotnik batter, you know, banter, or Sonic getting on Robotnik's nerves. I mean, it's more Tom getting on Robotnik's nerves. That's a disservice to, you know, like the characters because it just doesn't feel like Robotnik's really like, yeah, even though his goal is to capture Sonic, that that's it. That's the goal. It's not, you know, like the person, you know, the personal conflict or rather, you know, he doesn't like, he wants to get Sonic for his goal, but he wants to one up the cop because the cop was the one who punched him. The cop is the one that, you know, you know, was humiliating him. Really, you know, that was the big problem. So yeah, uh, I, I, and that—that's one thing I'm hope. Like out of all the things I want them to fix for Sonic the Hedgehog two, is that I want it to feel like Robotnik and Sonic have the rivalry, not Robotnik and the cop. And judging from the trailers. It looks like that's going to be the case. So anyway, we're going to end this with my overall thoughts. So overall, this movie is not a cinematic masterpiece, nor is it trying to be. While it has plenty of flaws and is an overall generic movie, it does accomplish what it needed to be the most, which was a very good and enjoyable Sonic the Hedgehog adaptation. So there you go. That's it for this episode. I thank you all for listening. I'm available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean.com, and Podcast Addicts. If you are listening to this on YouTube, make sure to press subscribe, like button, or the dislike button, and leave a comment. Do whatever. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll be talking about Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And I'll see you guys next week. Take care.